Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. Let's pick up where we left off. We're in the book of Exodus, second book in the Bible in the Old Testament. We're at chapter 40. We're going to begin at verse um, 1. Um, so let's just begin and I'll explain more as we go. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, so here we go. I have to explain that. If you're a Christian and you um, believe that Jesus brought us the words that God has for us, the message that God has for us, then you have to also admit that you're faced with a contradiction right there because this very first verse sort of contradicts what somewhere else in the Bible says that no one's seen God at any time. And Jesus tells the religious leaders themselves, descendants of these religious people we're talking about, reading about now, that they've not heard God's voice or seen his form. So you have to understand, how can you make sense of that contradiction? Either there must have been some sort of gadget involved that was not explained here, uh, like maybe Moses is on the phone and uh, or an equivalent of the phone FaceTiming or something, and it's not explained. Otherwise, how is it that Moses is having these direct conversations and visitations with God? It doesn't make sense. There, it's a contradiction. So, um, and that's uh, in the Christian gospel. So, like I said before, there's more than one religion in the Bible. There's absolutely more than one uh, uh, entity being described as or worshipped as God in the Bible. And we've read about several already. If you want to look yourself, you can see how the word Lord is translated. Um, I'm using the blueletterbible.org website. And um, you can do it that way. And each chapter and verse, you can research yourself and see what word is translated to and just called Lord. It's many different words, not just one or two in the Old Testament. Um, a different story in the Gospels, but we've went over that a thousand, well, probably not quite a thousand, but a bunch of times already. Um, so anyway, so you keep it in clear in your mind, if you're someone who's thumping a Bible or being bothered by people who thump their Bible and tell you that you're supposed to live by the Old Testament and the New Testament, then have them make sense of that for you. How then it can say that Moses is speaking to the Lord or the Lord is speaking to Moses and then the New Testament tell us something altogether different. Um, verse 2, on the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. So he's getting instructions on when to have a party, a holiday, a festival, when to set it up and how to go about it. This is what the Lord has time for with Moses and the people after they've been rescued from slavery. Four, number 3. Verse 3, you shall put in it the ark of the testimony and partition off the ark with the veil. So the ark is the same ark like we've, we've read about its description already. The sort of uh, throne surrounded by two cherubim or angels with wings outstretched to cover and protect and conceal the, the entity sitting on that throne um, cast in gold and set up as part of the worship ceremony that's the ark it's referring to and if you've ever seen the movie raiders of the lost ark it's the same ark that it's talking about in that movie uh that's what they're talking about here um uh, verse four you shall bring in the table and arrange the things that are to be set in order on it and you shall bring it in bring in the lampstand and it's and light its lamps so um all of the equipment that we've already went over was designed and created for these purposes. He's telling Moses is getting the instructions to bring them in and where to set them up. 
Verse 5, you shall also set the altar of gold for the incense before the altar, before the ark of the testimony, and put up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. So a privacy screen, it seems, for um, to get to those articles. Verse 6, then you shall set the altar of the of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, presumably so that before you enter that holier place, that uh, sacred place, you make an offering first before you pass on there. And you shall set the laver between the tabernacle meeting and the altar and put water in it. So that's the place where you can wash up after your blood sacrifice of some animal, presumably. Verse 8, you shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen at the court gate. So, um, like I've talked about before, picture a tent in the Middle East in the desert with those curtains flapping as the walls and structure. It's sort of like that, at least that's what I'm picturing. You shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen at the court gate. And you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it. And you shall hallow it and all its utensils and it shall be holy. So the anointing oil that was created is so that all those instruments could be anointed and thereby get sanctified for their religious purpose. Verse 10, you shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering and all its utensils and consecrate the altar. The altar shall be most holy and you shall anoint the laver and its base and consecrate it so the altar and the base of the lamp and all the things are to be anointed and thereby sanctified verse 12 then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle meeting and wash them with water you shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him that he may minister to me as priest so Aaron uh, his brother and his Moses, that is, brother and Aaron's sons, his nep his uh, I guess those would be his nephews. Yeah, his nephews are there to be bathed, apparently, as it says and um it says to wash them as in he's supposed to do the washing. Um, but whatever the case may be, they're to be washed there. It's that's what it, the way it reads and um, clothe them in the holy garments, so change them into the priesthood outfits. Verse 14, and you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. Okay, so and the, the sons get the tunics. And that's basically like one of those uh, really big oversized shirt. You like you put on a t-shirt that goes all the way down to the ground, sort of like that. That's what I'm picturing as a tunic. I mean, unless of course you make it shorter, but that's what it sounds like to me, the design of it. Um, so that's what Aaron and his sons, the priesthood, are supposed to be wearing. You shall appoint them, I'm sorry, you shall anoint them as you anointed their father, that they may minister to me as priests. For their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generation. So there's that word of everlasting, meaning if it was happening then, it's supposed to be happening now. There's supposed to be a branch of this religion that's still practicing this, and I imagine there probably is. There are probably several who practice this, whether they uh, trace back to uh, this event or not, as probably part of their uh, worship ceremony to um, adopt some of the practices in other religions like 
many other religions previously have and do, even down to what they call holidays. There are many times traced back to uh, ancient festival days of other things that aren't religious at all, from Halloween to Christmas. Uh, at least the 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 elements of them are. Easter 2, verse 16, Thus Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him, so he did. So Moses is being obedient in setting up his brother Aaron and his nephews, Aaron's sons, for the priesthood duties and the outfits that go with it. And it, verse 17, And it came to pass in the first month of the second year on the first day of the month that the tabernacle was raised up. Excuse me. Okay, so it's, excuse me, giving us an account of the days of starting with the day they were free from the slavery I was just talking about. Um, that that's their beginning of month. They even said it when we were reading along that that's what basically where their calendar is going to start from then on. And um, so that's the days that are being counted from to this point um, where they're raising up the tabernacle, which let's see, it was the second year in the first month so it's been about 13 months since they've been free um from the slavery verse 18 so or at least from that moment when they began counting verse 18 so moses raised up the tabernacle fastened its sockets set up its boards put in its bars and raised up its pillars and he spread out the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent on top of it as the Lord had commanded Moses. So they've set up the tent, put the skins of the animals and things on top to basically waterproof it or act as a roof. And um, and the articles, the relics and things inside. Um, but remember, it's a tent, so they can put it up, but they can also collapse it and take it with them and travel with it. That's what the rings and the poles are about. Verse 19, and he spread out the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent on top of it. As the Lord had commanded Moses, he took the testimony and put it into the ark, inserted the poles through the rings of the ark and put the mercy seat on top of the ark. So uh, we already went over that, the mark, I mean the ark and the way it travels with the poles and the rings. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, hung up the veil of the covering, and partitioned off the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. So um, we're still to believe all of these details and commands are what the Lord um, gave Moses, even though, like I said, when we started this reading, the other parts of the Bible say otherwise. Verse 22, he put the table in the tabernacle of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil, and he set the bread in order upon it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. So that's the same bread that resurfaces again in the time of David, the same David and Goliath David, and then is referenced by Jesus in the New Testament about um, how religion, when he gets confronted by religious leaders about what's considered righteous and what's considered holy, he brings up the fact that um, David ate this same showbread that we're being talked about here. And then when he did it, he wasn't condemned at all. Now, that doesn't mean the priest didn't face some consequences, but David got away with uh, the issue 
uh, of the showbread. And Jesus mentions that again, uh, or mentions that in the Gospels. But that's this same bread that they were talking, that we're reading about here in verse 23. So it makes me think that maybe that's um, sort of setting things in order for how they're going to be even down to minor details thousands of years in advance before they're actually come into being needed because this is happening thousands of years before um thousands and thousands of years before jesus um narrative enters the bible and thousands of years before david and goliath or at least hundreds of years before david and goliath and that whole narrative enters the story so it lets i think it if you're going to believe it as it happens or as it's written i should say then it it points to um god being able to see that big picture that i've talked about before and knowing oh there's going to come a point in time where on the path that's already predetermined if he takes it for uh david to go down that he's going to be traveling and on the run and need some bread so why don't i set up thousands of years in advance this ordinance where they're supposed to keep a religious order keep a table set and keep some bread there in it so that when it comes to pass that it's needed it's going to be there for david and i know that even thousands of years after that when my son when jesus comes he's going to need to have that as a reference point when he's dealing with these hypocritical bible thumping religious clowns so um it shows foresight in setting it up um and this detail of putting the bread and um and making it a command of what's to be set up by these religious people who have kept their religion uh, at least branches of it alive even to this day verse 24 he put the lampstand in the tabernacle of meeting according across from the table on the south side of the tabernacle um so those are basically the candle stands the lamp stands verse 25 and he lit the lamps before the lord as the lord had commanded moses and the gold altar in the tabernacle meeting in front of the veil um and he burned sweet incense on it as the lord had commanded moses so i think some of this must be outside of the um where outside of the area where the tent is i mean because why would they do this inside the lamps i could see that if the and i'm if i think it said the the beams for the roof were like 20 cubits or something like that so like two stories tall something like that but um i guess it would make sense for the lampstands but i can't see them really doing the the um the all the burnt the barbecuing indoors that would be crazy to have all that smoke filling the place but um whether it's a barbecue or a sacrifice or whatever it is if it's an animal on the grate being roasted um it doesn't seem likely that would be inside so maybe i just missed that detail but whatever wherever it is it's happening um so they're basically erecting the altar putting everything in its place and um all the items in their place and beginning their uh an altar uh, an offering there to sort of um, mark the beginning of it let's see and he burned sweet incense on it as the lord had commanded Moses. okay so it's just the incense at this point 
He hung up the screen at the door of the tabernacle, and he put the altar burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered upon it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. Okay, so there it is. It is outside of that area. It's covered off by the screen door and separated from where the burnt offerings are happening. That just makes sense. Verse 30, he set the laver between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water there for water, for washing. So that's where you can, they can wash their hands after, and you know, throughout the process. 30, and wash other parts, because remember, the, the sons have to be bathed also. Uh, verse 31, and Moses, Aaron, and his sons would wash their hands and their feet with water from it. So hands and feet with that um um, vanity. Verse 32, whatever, whenever they went into the tabernacle of meeting and when they came near the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. So they could only, uh, they would enter the, the holy parts, but bathe first, washing their hands and feet. Verse 33, and he raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate so Moses finished the work so it does sound like there they're raising up um, a tent all around everything um, but I mean that'd be a pretty pretty large tent uh, and especially if it included the where the animals being sacrificed but you know it's let's keep reading verse 34 then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So after they set up everything like they were commanded, then they get the appearance of the cloud. And, and if you've read before with us, you see uh, when they were delivered from being ens enslaved in Africa, a cloud led them on their way during the day as a covering and protection and a fire led them at night a pillar of fire as it's described um to give them light at night so they could move at any time and have that presence with them so it was described as something obviously supernatural or divine um, but now you see it recurring now with the cloud covering the tabernacle that they've erected now according to those same um, designs that uh, Moses was given uh, according to the narrative. Verse 34, and then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So it sounds like a literal cloud descended on the tabernacle that they set up and in the cloud an appearance of it says the Lord. It sounds a lot like what people describe or depict in alien type movies when there's an encounter, when everything goes uh, foggy and things get funky. But it um, so Moses isn't even able to enter where uh, the things have been set up now because the cloud has descended on on the setup. Uh, let's see, and it says the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle so I could only imagine that as light but um, it could be something else verse 36 whenever the cloud was taken up from the from above the tabernacle the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys 
So they were using that as their guide in travel, that if the cloud would descend on the tabernacle that they set up, the holy place that they set up, then they'd stay put. And I guess who wouldn't? I mean, the entity, the deity that's traveling with you that just performed those miracles to get you out of slavery is now literally traveling right along with you. Why would you want to move? It would seem like you're living heaven on earth at that point to be that close to uh, God or the power of God like that. That would be amazing, I would think. But I'm pretty sure that's not how it's going to end up going with them, even though they have God so close to them. Um, and got rescued from slavery. Don't forget that. Um, but at least at that point, they have the presence literally there with them, traveling as a cloud to let them know when to stop and when to go. Verse 37, but if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey all till the day that it was taken up. So that is a wonderful sign to be able to walk through life with and just have a cloud that keeps you safe and comfortable uh, during the day. And when it's ready for you to move on, move on somewhere in life to another level, uh, preferably up, or hopefully upward, then it will move on and let you know when to move. That seems like a fabulous tour guide through life. And that's what they seem to have with them, letting them know when to stop and when to go. Uh, verse 38, for the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So um, it's making it clear that the presence moved along with them and they could all see it, and, uh, whether it was as a cloud or as a pillar of fire, uh, right there present with them with the tabernacles that they set up as they moved on through their wilderness journeys for those, um, I think it's 40 years that they had to walk through there. <coughs> Excuse me. But we've walked to the end of this chapter. I appreciate you checking it out with me. I hope it was a blessing for you as always. And I hope you'll join me again. It's uh, our Monday and Wednesday readings that we read the other parts of the Bible. But like I said, when we started, I identify as a Christian. So I believe that means hearing what Jesus has to say and letting that be my guide. We focus on those words, those red letters of the Bible, the 10th of the Bible that has anything that Jesus even said in it on our Saturday readings. You can hear any of those past readings while they last on these platforms where you're hearing them now. Or if you're an adult, you can go to my platform, it's hungtgirl.com, and you can hear the past readings, even in some cases read along with me with the readings of the Gospels there on uh, with the links, body, mind, spirit, and soul. The links, spirit, and soul focus the most um, closely with what we do here on The Naked Truth and the readings we have here. The rest of the site, clicking the pictures, they're actually free videos. We'll give you more of an insight into me, your messenger, your humble messenger. Um, feel free to get a membership, make a donation, or just enjoy the free content. I appreciate all of the above. Thank you for all of the above. God bless you for all of the above. And for joining me now, and God willing, next time, stay safe. Peace be with you. Thanks again.